Yeah, so we are in, there's one more week of this series, which we've been calling Christianese, uh, which we've been going through kind of like the tired parts and phrases of Christianity that we have, uh, we've heard over and over and over again, and we want to bring fresh life and fresh meaning into. Uh, and, you know, it's been a crazy summer for most of us. All, like, this church is a real church that Omid says it every Sunday. They, we move and we groove. So, like, most of the summer is just like, okay, cool, I'll see you all in September. <laughs> that, that's kind of where we go. Um, and, and we're coming back. This is the tail end of the summer. Uh, and so for Chelsea and I, this summer has been an incredible amount of adventure. We've had some, like, beautiful opportunities to do some crazy things. Uh, I'll, I'll run it down for you. And then I also want to remind you that I'm a pastor and you pay me and I didn't pay for any of this. So here's what we did. Uh, we went to Hawaii because there was a wedding uh, in which I helped officiate. Uh, and so we got to go there and it was spectacular. Uh, and then we came back, we went to San Francisco. We visited some friends from Resonate who just moved up there. Uh, and then we came back from that. We went to Vermont, which we do every year for my grandparents. Uh, and we were there for a week. And then we came back from that and we went to London and then we went to Israel. Uh, and the coolest part about this entire summer was the adventure for us that Israel was. It was our first time there. I've studied Israel extensively. It's like the thing I've had to read the most on and actually being there for the first time was unbelievable. And number two, we actually had some of our first Resonate baptisms uh, that happened in the Sea of Galilee, and we've got pictures of that. So this is little uh, Charlie, and there's Cooper, uh, and that's us in the Sea of Galilee. And then the next one here is Charlie, uh, and then we got a group picture with both of us. Chels helped uh, baptize little Charlie Garrick and stuff. They're going to be listening on the podcast, and they're going to be back tomorrow. They're still flying back, but if we give them all a rousing round of applause, they would love, love to hear that. Uh, so Israel was super fascinating. We got there, uh, and as soon as we landed, we, we came from London from uh, one of my wife's very, very close friends. She was in our wedding. She's like one of our best friends. Uh, and, and she's just a, like, like, you go and everything is scheduled to a T. So like you're exhausted. So we, we arrive after London just kind of like, what's going on? Uh, we go, and then I'm used to just like, because I'm a millennial human being, uh, pulling out my phone and looking for an Uber. Those don't exist in Israel, which I should have known. So we went to the front, uh, and we went to go get a taxi. And the guy in the front uh, comes to us, and he says, ooh, you've got backpacks. And we're like, yes, yes, we have back. We know, we'd, we'd just gone with backpacks. Like, for two weeks, we're just backpacking. And for my wife and I, that was a big struggle and a, and a big win uh, for the cost of travel. But anyway, we're, we're, we're there with just backpacks. And they say, like, well, no, those are suitcases. So that's going to cost you double to travel in a taxi. Uh, and I was like, I don't think that's right. Like, I, I'm not sure. And there's a language barrier. So I'm not, and I've had to study Hebrew, but I'm not speaking it. So we literally are like kind of trying to communicate with this person. And then he's going back and forth. And then this guy comes out of nowhere and starts fighting on our behalf for our honor with our backpacks and saying like, those aren't suitcases, these are backpacks, like let them in. And they're fighting right in front of, this is our first, we're there for 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, this country is nuts. Get in the cab, we drive about 10 minutes, we hit a freeway, and I kid you, this is the craziest thing, I kid you not, the cab driver pulls over the car in the middle of the freeway, off to the side, and just says like, I'm so sorry, I have to leave this for my friend who's gonna pick it up, takes a black bag, puts a cell phone in there and cash, 
and throws it off into the shrubbery on the side of the freeway. And then we kept going towards our hotel. And I was like, how do we shake this off? Like, I have to say something. So I casually kind of make conversation with her. What do you do besides uh, drive a taxi? Did not want to talk to me. So we made it alive. It's fine. I uh, got there, got to be with the Garricks uh, who had lived there, who go to resonate. So they, they knew the lay of the land. We got to walk around. The first place we were in was called Jaffa, which if you read the Old Testament, that's called Yapa, or J-O-P-P-A, uh, and it's super significant. It's a port city in which, like if you've read the story of Jonah and the whale, Jonah takes off from this port city. So we're literally staying in this Airbnb, and we can look out, and the first thing uh, that, that Ben says to me, uh, the husband, he's like, yeah, that right there would have been where the port was that, that Jonah would have taken off from. Um, and, and I just kind of, I had to, for a minute, just go like, wait. And it was two in the morning, and I literally said to Chelsea, I was like, we're going out there, and we're gonna go there right now. <laughs> so we went out at two in the morning, and I just stood there, and I had this like profound experience, because I was like, oh my gosh. I'm, for the first time, I'm standing in this space with something I've had to like study for so long, something I've had to like kind of learn about as, as if it was a fantasy. Uh, and here's what's really important about this, this trip and this summer and then this year ahead for us at Resonate is that I think that a lot of Christianity is kind of viewed as a fantasy. Uh, we're believing in something that's someplace else, that's not right here, that's not actually influential in our lives, and that's just not true. Uh, and and I, I went to that port city, and then we went to Jerusalem, and we went to other places, and I just quickly realized, I was like, if we believe what we believe, then there's no reason that this geographical location even matters at all. Like, this thing is real, and it's real for all of us in every moment, and right where we are. Uh, Jesus is risen, he's here, so he's everywhere in our lives. Uh, and I think the most helpful thing for me in that entire trip was that I got to see that like, oh wow, yeah, like, like it, it, it matters here too. It's not just over there, it's not just special because it's over there. Right here in your own backyard is extremely special. But the second really cool thing is, so two in the morning we go out and we go to the, the port, or where the port would have been, uh, and then we turn up, and there are these set of stairs, and we go up into the old city uh, of, of Jaffa, and it's like this crazy, like, it's just an open doorway, and it's cobblestone steps, and you go up. Uh, it's not safe at all. Uh, there's water pouring down it. And then we take a right, and right as we take a right, uh, it's this little hut, this little house that's built into the rock right there, uh, and it says this is the house, or could be the house. Really, and guys, this is true. Constantine's mom, when the Roman Empire took over, kind of just walked around Israel and was like, that's where he was buried. <laughs> that's where they, and so, so you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt, but uh, just the fact that this would have been in this city, we got to see this is the house of a guy named Simon the Tanner. And, and Simon, uh, for me, growing up, was a huge influence because this is an individual that had stood sort of in, in a bridge-like position between Gentiles and between the Jewish people uh, and was one of the bridges that actually helped Christianity become something for everyone, not just for one specific group of people. And the crazier thing is I then thought about that and I was like, oh my gosh, that means that we're in a port city 
Jonah is the story of this guy who doesn't want to do what God tells him to do. And so he avoids it and he takes a boat as far as he can in the other direction. And then you've got in the same port city, just steps away, you've got someone who decides to follow God, even though it's absolutely the most frightening thing in the world and you're crossing cultural boundaries that are never supposed to be crossed. And even further, guys, this house if it's true, was also the house that Peter sat upon when he had the vision of all of the like uh, foods coming down, all the different animals. If you've read that in scripture, if you haven't, that's no big deal. But basically there's this weird scripture where God says like, hey, eat this stuff. And Peter's like, I would never eat this stuff. And God says, eat. And for us, that's strange. But for them, this is crossing cultural barriers that had never been crossed before. And all of it happened in this random little port city. Uh, that's now smack dab next to Tel Aviv and like nightclubs and all this weird stuff. But the point is, I think in life there are two choices. You can choose to be at that port city, no matter where that is, that could be your backyard, that could be your living room, and you could choose to run as far away from God as you can, or you can choose to be absolutely brave and bold and chase after where God is taking you, even though that might be scary. And this morning, if this is your first time here, I apologize. I'm going to have to go into some stuff <laughs> um, that happened. Who here uh, is on Instagram? <laughs> yes? Okay, okay. So this week, I posted something on Instagram, and we're going to get into what that is. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, we're going to have to do some unpacking. And it's going to be uncomfortable for some people. It's going to be very comfortable for other people. Here's what I want to make absolutely clear. We are adults in this room, for the most part, um, and we need to be rational, we need to be sane, uh, and we need to understand that I've always held our motto, which is we're a church for people who don't have it all figured out because we do not either. <laughs> so I'm humbly coming and saying this is the first time that that tagline has really worked out in my favor. Uh, but uh, we're, we're going to go down a little path here. Um, and I'm hopefully going to be able to explain my heart. Uh, and that's something that I really need you guys to be um, cognitive of because I have a journey with this stuff uh, for a lot longer than just an Instagram post. Um, so I'm laying my heart on the line this morning and I'm going to be honest with you. And so for that, I need some rationality. And again, if it's your first time here, whew, buckle up, get ready. Uh, <laughs> But I, so I have a, a fantastic history of putting my foot in my mouth. Um, I, uh, I, I have multiple stories of situations in which I have just said the wrong thing at the wrong time. One of them, you may have heard this story before, uh, we went on this amazing trip with, to Napa with the, with the Cottons, um, and we went to this blind wine tasting. So they, they would cover your, your eyes with a cloth, uh, and they would take you through and you'd all kind of like walk through and you'd get into the room and then they would have you taste these different little tasters of wine and then you would taste them. Uh, and then if you had like, if, if you could call it out, you'd call it out. Uh, and so the, the guy, there's this man with this incredible voice and he's guiding us through this entire tasting. He's saying like, here's what you need to pay attention to. This is what you need to like, like pick up. What are you tasting? What are the tasting notes? All this stuff. And I'm literally like going like this guy's voice is unbelievable. Who is this? And we keep talking, we keep going. 
And then he finally calls something out and he says, can anybody tell me what this wine is here? And I was like, I've got this one clocked. Mostly because I had cheated and looked through the blindfold. So I knew <laughs> that this was a Chardonnay that we were taking. And I, I rose my hand and then he repeated, does anybody know what this is? And I just kind of raised my hand a little bit higher. And then he said, does anybody know what this is? And I blurted out, yeah, the guy with his hand raised for the last five minutes. That would have been fine. However, once we took off our blindfolds, there's a man with sunglasses and a cane, and he is, in fact, blind. <laughs> I had called out to a blind man, the guy with his hand raised. Tell you a second story that happened in Israel while we're there. We went through a tunnel called Hezekiah's Tunnel. So Hezekiah was this king uh, who created this amazing, intricate system. And they still don't know to this day how they did this, because they were coming from two different directions. It took over six years to build this tunnel, which was a waterway. So when you're walking through this tunnel, you're kind of trudging through water. It's extremely tight. Like you are, you are going at some points, and you're just like, you're, you're ducking down. You're up to your waist in water. Uh, we're doing it with two kids and then my wife, who is literally sobbing behind me for most of it because it is indeed that scary. We were like, how long does this go? And they're like, over a mile. I was like, great. <laughs> so we're walking through uh, and a person in front of us uh, and, and two people in front of us, one is Ron who goes here, who went with us on the trip. Uh, and he's right behind them and the guy kind of stops and he's stopping and he's like kind of just fidgeting a little bit and I'm like hey man and, and Chelsea is like like literally about to kill me like my, my the suffocation on my wrist like circulation was being cut off down here so I was like hey maybe we should keep going like let's not linger like like an idiot and then Ron turns around and goes he's on crutches <laughs> I was like no so you guys can see I have a grand history uh, of, of not saying <laughs> the right thing at the right time. Uh, but, and here's what's so important with our series. We're in the series called Christianese, and we're talking about words, and we're talking about language, and we're talking about how important that is, because words and language really do shape worlds. And that is the Jewish perspective of the world. When God creates, he chooses words to create with. Therefore, words create worlds. You know this if you've ever said something at the wrong time, and you know this if you've ever said something at the right time. The words that you choose, the language that you choose to use can literally create a different reality for the person that you're talking to and for yourself. There's a reason that when people are struggling with something so hard, and I've done this in my life when I'm struggling with something and I just can't say it out loud, there's a reason that that's important. What we say with our mouths, what we type on a keyboard, unfortunately, creates a reality. It creates a new world or it creates a world that can either help or tear down. And we are living, and no one can deny this, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, we are living in a toxic environment in which words are being used on both sides to tear each other apart. And I was sitting, in old Jerusalem as we're staying there, it's cut off into four quarters. There's the Armenian corner, there's the Jewish quarter, there's the Christian corner, and then there's the, uh, there's the uh, Jewish quarter. 
And each four of those are so uniquely divided in such a small space that as soon as you go over to one side, the language starts to change. The words that are being used start to change. And here's what I want to tell you. If there's four quarters and there's all of those, if Jesus came back today and looked at those quarters and saw that there was a Christian quarter, I can tell you right now, he would be absolutely mortified that there was a Christian quarter, that that quarter had put off walls in between the other people because the whole idea of Christianity is it was something for the first time that was not something you needed to be born into. It was something you could agree with and it was a savior that came for you. Therefore, you didn't need to be born into it. You didn't need to be married into it. You could actually say yes to the Savior no matter who you were or where you're coming from. That's radical even to today. And unfortunately, in the atmosphere that we are in right now, that message is being lost. And Christianity is becoming more and more and more something that you are born into, something that you are married into. And it's not something that people are openly involved in just saying, like, actually, yeah, <laughs> this Jesus stuff makes sense. I, I want to follow this with my life. So words create worlds. Words create worlds. If you happen to read that little Instagram post this week, I would like to put up one slide for you and one slide only. This is my email. It is my phone number. You can call me at any point, any point, day and night this week. I will have a conversation with you and I will meet you for coffee and we will go and we will actually talk face to face because nothing, and I'm telling you this from experience, nothing gets solved over a keyboard. In fact, things get much worse. <laughs> so what I'm going to say is if you have questions, and if, again, if you didn't read it, you know nothing that I'm talking about right now, don't worry, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but you can call me at any point. I'm your pastor, and I'm the pastor of this church, and what that means is my life is available to you, and that's a choice that I've made. So please call me. Please take advantage of that. Please, please, let's have a conversation. Um, and let's not do that over text, and let's not even really just do that over the phone. I would love to sit down with you. And the reason that I would love to sit down with you is because I follow a person who actually did that no matter what. Uh, in any conflict, if you look at it, and we're just kind of in luck that Jesus didn't have AT&T, but like we're, we're also dealing with a savior who is very personable and would always come into a situation and have a conversation face to face with someone, no matter what barrier he was having to cross or how uncomfortable that was. I talk about this a lot at Resonate, but Jesus would have, if he existed in this day, he would have infuriated both sides because he was eating with this group and then he was eating with this group. He was eating with the left and he was eating with the right. And so every time he would switch, people would be like, oh, I guess he's not on my side anymore. But the whole message of Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm not on your side, and I'm not on your side. You can choose to be on my side. I'm the side. And I don't exist on either side for long. <laughs> You're welcome to come with me. You're welcome to be with me. Um, now, 
I will cop to this. Uh, the language that I used in that post was uh, unfortunately a bit angry. And here's why I did it that way, and here's why I came to that. Um, I have a long history with this subject. So this is a powder keg issue, and I need to apologize for that. That's not fair to anyone in the room because you haven't journeyed that journey with me. And so what seems like something that came out of nowhere was years in the making, and that's what caused me to do that, and that was not appropriate. So I will absolutely cop to the inappropriateness of the language that was used. Um, I kind of put it akin to like, if we're all in the same boat together and all of us are over here and then there's a group of us over here and someone takes out a drill on one side of the boat because it's hot out and they start drilling a hole in the boat and they're like, easy, I just need to cool off because I need the water to come and get my foot. And the other people are like, you're gonna sink this whole boat for us, <laughs> right? We're all in the same boat. And so I have no right to take a drill out and drill into that boat. And I apologize for doing that. And I will cop to that as an adult, as your pastor, and as a person that deeply cares for this community and wants to see it thrive. Uh, what I won't, what I won't switch, and I'm deeply sorry for this, for the people this is gonna offend, what I won't switch is my stance on where that content was coming from and, and the people that I believe that God loves. And if you don't want to be a part of that, I deeply, deeply hurt and grieve that. I can't, I can't change my ways on that. Um, the, okay, cool. Um, good, yeah, yeah, no, I was talking about killing people. Anyway, no. Um, I, I, uh, I wrote a post about, um, a, a church called Bethel, and, and I'm also going to cop to this. I mentioned a lot of other churches in that post that was also beneath where we should be as a church, and I apologize for that as well. Um, but I did mention a church called Bethel who has a program um, that talks about uh, the fact that if you were once a homosexual, you can now be something else, and God can redeem that and do that. For anybody that's on that journey and has been on that journey, I can't deny that. So I'm not saying that that is inherently wrong. I will say this. I have had uh, family members who have been affected by this issue to the point that they've tried to take their own lives. That's not a gospel issue. When people try and take their lives over things like this, we all need to reassess and figure out what the heck we're doing. And I will stand in the center of anybody trying to deny that. I, and that's, that's just who I have to be. And I'm sorry about that. Uh, I know it's a strong language and I didn't even mean it to be that strong. I, I'm just saying there has to be a moment where we go, it, it can't be killing people. And I think that that's fair. But again, I have been on the journey for a lot longer, so I'm not going to pull you and pull you. The official stance of Resonate in our church is third way. Uh, and it's something we don't talk about a lot, but we went through a whole lot of craziness about four years ago, also due to a little post that I did. But uh, we, we figured out that we don't think that this is an issue that we have to nail down and say, if you believe this or you believe this, you're wrong and you can't be here. 
everybody has a seat at the table. So as I'm up here saying this on a very strong way in this way, again, everybody has a seat at the table. I am not here. I can't theologically prove any of this. So I would love for you to be here. Let me tell you a quick story about um, Jesus and the way that he would deal with conflict and the way that he would deal with people that didn't agree or that had done something wrong. When Peter did his whole betrayal thing, which you don't know that story, Peter uh, has a moment where he denies Christ three times. Um, and, and we look at that, we're kind of just like, yeah, he's just trying to save his own skin, whatever. When you denied your rabbi in that day and at that point in history, you were denying everything you knew about yourself. So you were actually like crossing boundaries and barriers that were really, really strong. And, and it was horrible. Like you would be basically like, I'm leaving the tradition that I've been following for so long uh, because I can't be brave enough to say like, yes, I do know this man. So Peter is carrying around this guilt that's just insane. And he said the wrong thing and he needs to figure out a way to apologize, but he can't because in his mind, the savior that he knows, this rabbi that he knows is dead. He's no, no longer living. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the shores and shows up and Peter sees him and he jumps towards him because he's thinking in his mind, I don't know how I'm possibly going to be forgiven for what I've said and what I've done. And what Jesus looks at him in the eyes and says is, Peter, do you love me? In fact, the Bible says it better. Do we have that scripture? <laughs> when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. He's bringing up the last thing you want to talk about over and over and over again, right? Like, I've already said, yes, I love you. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. So the way that Jesus deals with conflict in the world is he first points to love, and then he points to you need to keep going. You cannot stop. But if you're not doing it in love, then that's not the right way. And the thing that I need to stand here and be humble about and apologize to all of you once you have read it, and I promise I didn't murder anyone, what, 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 what you need to read is that I did respond in a way that I don't believe, after further reflection, was with loving language uh, and was with the right tone. Um, and I'm really, really sorry for that. And I also know how much you have all given to this community and how much you care for it, and you're the reason that it's here. And so all I'm gonna say from the front right now is one, I was wrong to do that. Two, this is a unique voice in this community, and it's something that's not happening almost anywhere else in Los Angeles. If you want to keep going here, we're going to spend a year absolutely moving towards a more beautiful reality and owning who we are as a community. 
if you if that's for you thank you if it's not for you thank you i love you no matter what i just want us to be on the right track again can we put my phone number up in my email <laughs> drop your twitter accounts <laughs> email me call me i i will have a conversation with you and a, and a loving one and i'm malleable and i'm i'm I can change my mind. And that's something you don't hear from pastors a lot. I'm willing to do that. The question I really want to pose to you is, are you willing to change your mind? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your um, your grandness and how vast and big and beautiful you are. Um, I thank you for uh, the love this community provides so many people. And I thank you for the road ahead. And I just pray that um, that you would give us an extra measure of grace, that we would always be on the side of grace, that we would always be on the side of your love um, for us. And understand that there are some difficult times ahead and navigation to be done, but that we love you so much um, and that we'll always lean on that love. Amen.